So Colossians, lesson 6, Sunday, June the 18th, Father's Day. So we're going to try to get through Colossians. And uh, in fact, I'll probably go ahead and read the whole chapter again, so bear with me. And really what I want you all to grab is, number one, what is Paul trying to express to the Colossians in chapter 1, because this is going to set the stage for the rest of the book. So Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timotheus, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ, which are at Colossae, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which ye have to all the saints for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven or have you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel which is come unto you as it is into all the world and bringeth forth fruit as it doth also in you since the day that ye heard of it and knew the grace of God in truth as ye also have learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ, who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit for this cause. We also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you might walk worthy of the Lord into all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, according to His glorious power, and to all patience and longsuffering and joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. And then that that's basically a prayer, and it just goes right on into this information, that knowledge that He wants to give them. Verse 13, Who hath Christ hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us unto the kingdom of his dear son. Now, this is when you guys start shouting and saying, Yahoo, because that's what Christ has done for us, right? In whom we have redemption. Yahoo, through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and by Him all things consist. This is Christ's ball game. This is His rules. This is His, He is it. So He's trying to point out that who, who Christ is. And He is everything. And everything is fulfilled and complete in Him. And that's what He's trying to get across. Verse 18, He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, and in all things He might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in Him should all fullness dwell, and having made peace through the blood of His cross, by Him to reconcile all things unto Himself, by Him I say whether they be things in earth or things in heaven, and you that were sometime alienated, and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he hath reconciled. In the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight, if ye continue in the faith, 
grounded and settled and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which ye have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister, who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church, whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God, even the mystery which hath been hid from from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now that's where you should be doing Yahoo. You guys should be doing Yahoo almost on every verse, right? I mean, this is some good stuff here. Whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. So, I mean, there is a ton of info in that. Yahoo! Okay. So, Paul and his team are praying for the Colossians. Number one, to be filled with what? God's knowledge. His... Who he has basically knowledge is what I want you to say in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. So he wants them to be filled with God's knowledge. Same way with us. Why? Why? So we can know who God is and then we can live it, right? Number two. Did I answer your question? Yeah. Okay. Have you been here the last couple weeks? Okay. (laughs) I know you're messing with me. Number two. So, uh, not only to be filled with God's knowledge, but to walk in God's knowledge. That's your number two blank. Okay? You already got that. And number three, to be rewarded for their walk at the judgment seat of Christ. So there it is. The the whole purpose that Paul has given them this, the whole purpose of the Holy Spirit is giving this information is number one, for us to know who God is and how we can have a relationship with Him. And then to take that knowledge and not just keep it in our mind, but to to walk it, to live it out in our life. Why? So that when we stand before Christ at the judgment seat of Christ, we will have a good account. So think about it. Do I have any overachievers in here that that always you know wanted to get A's on their test at school? Some of you women are. I don't see any guys doing Did you do that? I really didn't care. I wanted to do good, but I didn't have to have an A. But, you know, some people, like, I'm taking my homework home, and I'm actually doing it and getting a good grade. Yeah, yeah. for us guys, we could have done that. Or, or you know, uh, going the extra mile to, to make sure they got that. I mean, I remember... I remember students that would, you know, they'd stay up all night just because, man, I gotta get an A on this, man. I can't, if I get an A minus, I just won't be able to live with myself. You know anybody like that? I used to know in shop, and drafting class, I took a lot of drafting in high school, there was a guy that his, his dad was a draftsman, and he had a draftsman table at home, so he'd take the assignments home and work on them, bring them back to class, so the rest of them just didn't have that. Uh, ability to do that, and then he'd tell the teacher, hey, I'm done with mine, and the teacher goes, hey guys, end of, end of our, our class today, the assignment's gonna be due, cause, cause, uh, uh, what was his name? Thompson, uh, whatever his name was, I used to remember it. He's had, he has his done, so I'm gonna speed up the time, and we're like, everybody wanted to slap that kid around. 
uh, Don Thompson was his name, and everybody's like, Don, what are you doing to us here, you know? But, um, but those guys just, you know, I don't even know where I'm getting on the tear, but you know those type people, okay? But, number three, <laughs> see why you don't go on rabbit trails, I get in trouble. Okay, it'll come to me tomorrow what, what I was gonna say. So, Paul also informs the church of the fullness of Christ in creation, as well as the fullness of Christ in redemption. And basically what he's trying to say is the buck stops with Christ. He's everything. Because there's going to, again, we're not done with the rest of the book. And there's going to be some people coming in and go, well, you have to add this in with Christ. Or you have to go here. There's more things you got to have. Christ isn't enough. And he's laying right off the bat, no, Christ is enough. He is the whole thing. He is, he is all that in a bag of chips, as somebody we know says. Okay. So, in all things, Christ has the preeminence. He is the head of the church, which is His body. Okay? So, Christ should have preeminence in all things. Does He right now? Oh, in this world He doesn't. I mean, He does... But yet, Satan is still the god of this world. He's not and, recognized as being such. Right. But at some point, he will, right? And that kind of fits right in with my statement. While there is a present failure through the sin of man, there will be a final triumph through the love of God. So, man is doing everything he can to destroy himself. Satan's helping him. Uh, but they're going to try... But yet, God's love is going to come in and triumph over all that. We were helping Angela Frontier Days in Mm -hmm. in, uh, Edgerton. And he went and saw, he was walking up and down the thing. You saw that cult thing. Oh, some, some, uh, were setting up a canopy and this guy had a baseball cap on, had a cross upside down. And I could see it said cult in there, but I couldn't read the other word for that. They actually admit they're a cult, huh? Well, we didn't follow through with it, but yeah. that's what he's thinking. Mm-hmm. And we don't know if it could just be a church showing you what a cult is. You know? No, I think I think it's the cult. Yeah. I don't think a church would be doing that. Yeah, they're not going to be doing that. Oh, yeah, it's going to be so blatant. It is coming out of the woodwork right now. I mean, the, the, the sex traffic, the child pornography, I mean, all that is just hitting on steroids right now. I mean, it won't be long before, you know, satanic churches are more as common as Christian churches. I mean, we are getting there right now. I've read one of the pro ball teams in LA had a group of atheists and the, uh, the drag queen nuns was what they were. Oh, yeah, the drag the queen nuns. That's funny. Yeah. yeah. You know what? And, and we're seeing corporations and companies push their agenda. And they're, and they're folding. But here's here's the sad part. They don't care. Yeah. They're doing it anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, 25 years ago, I, I, made a, I made a proclamation to carry. I said, I bought my last pair of Levi's jeans. Mm-hmm. Because... They went homo. And they came out and said, we're going this direction and we don't care about any of our, our customers believe. And I'm like, I, I've never bought a Levi product since. And they've went broke two times since then, but yet they still keep re- getting revived. They don't care if they go broke or lose money. They're trying to push an agenda. Okay, so I'm back on track. Um, so, 
Christ has preeminence of all things. He does not now, but he will. So let me ask you, does Christ have preeminence in your life? Okay. Does Christ have preeminence in your church? Better have, right? Um, does Christ have preeminence in your Bible? I can say that, but you know what? We all know in here, and I can beat on this a little bit more today because they're not, you know, I don't have any visitor here that really adds something else, but let me just say this. The newer Bible versions all take away Christ's deity and who He is. And they do not give Him the preeminence that He deserves. That's one reason why you should not be using one. I just saw a, something yesterday, a guy, I forgot who it was, they're rewriting the Bible. Well, AI. everybody is. AI is going to do it. Yeah. So well, well, here's the problem. Here's the problem with that thinking. Man has this idea that man has written the Bible. And left the Holy Spirit completely out of it. No, we have a Bible that's inspired by the Holy Spirit. This is not man's book. You can't improve on God. But yet they think, well, since man, this is man's book, we'll let AI write it and it'll be so much better. No, that comes straight from, from the seat of hell where it comes from. Yeah. Okay. Everywhere I look anymore, I see this one world stuff popping up, so it's probably going to come out in everything I say and I do. We had to switch Rex's supplement. We didn't have to, but it was cheaper, so we did. United World. So we're going to change back when we when it's time. Mutual of Omaha that they've changed this to United World. Same thing. Same thing, Rex. You know, same thing. It's a new program that they're adding in for Medicare supplement to to United or Mutual of Omaha. Yeah. Yeah. But they call it United World. They're all going there. But it's like, mm, yeah. Probably most any company that you get anything from nowadays. Yeah. I mean, so you pick and choose, but my point is, it's going to be hard to get away from it. And he he was telling me because I saw Glenn Beck off. Uh, suggest that phone company that he does, Patriotic something or other. Patriots or something. Anyway, Rex said they still have to buy. They buy all their their minutes from the three main carriers. So do ours. You're still paying them no matter what. Right, so, but maybe it's a lesser of two evils. Yeah. So that's kind of like pure talk that I have. Yeah. Uh, They still use AT&T Towers, but Mm -hmm. uh, bottom line is it'll probably come around again. But, the more that we can, you know, not use products of certain people that we already know, right. that's our choice. Right. So we can do that. Right. So boy, I opened up a yeah. can of worms. So let's keep going forward. Okay, Colossians. And I want to deal with basically the last part of this, uh, verses 23 through 29. I want to talk about Paul's ministry. So A, under, in your handout says, Paul's ministry was commissioned by who? By God. Okay. Now, how do I know that? Well, it says so, number one. But if you go back to Acts chapter 9, uh, we're going to see a little bit about um, uh, Paul's conversion. And, of course, we know that and what God had in store for him. And I want to, I want to just read this whole thing because yet this, even though we may not think we're this bad as Paul, we probably are. Because, you know what, we were all sinners when we got saved. And so maybe we wasn't going out and killing Christians at the time. 
but our sins were still pretty evil. Uh, Acts chapter 9, we'll just start at verse 1. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest. So he's kind of a, he's kind of a radical. Mm-hmm. He's yapping all over the place. You know, he, he, he just can't keep his mouth shut. He hates these Christians so bad. He's just going beside himself. Verse 2 says, And he went to the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus and to the synagogues that he found any of this way. What way is that? Christ's way. Okay? Uh, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound into Jerusalem. Nice guy. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth, and he heard a voice saying in him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, now get this, and he said, who art thou? Comma, Lord? He's asking a question here. Because he knows. The sinner knows. He just doesn't want to bow. And and the Lord had been working on Paul, and Paul had been just throwing him off. And finally, the Lord's like, "Okay, I'm done messing with him. I'm 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 going to make it stick this time." So he, you know, he he falls to the earth, and he heard a voice from him saying, "Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me?" And he said, "Who art thou, Lord?" And the Lord said, "I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. Is it hard for thee to kick against the pricks?" And he goes, what's wrong, dude? I've been hitting you all over in the head over and over and over and over trying to get you to wake up. Why haven't you done it yet? That's my version of it, okay? And verse 6 says, And he trembling and he astonished said, Lord, what will thou have me to do? Pretty interesting, isn't it? You think he's convinced? Yeah. He's already convinced now, okay? And the Lord said unto him, Arise, go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And Paul and Saul rose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man. He had, Houston, we have a problem here. He could not see. But they led him by the hand, and they brought him unto Damascus. And he was there three days without sight, and neither did he eat nor drink. Now, he's he's in a world of hurt right now. Verse 10, And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. To him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. Notice that's the right response when the Lord talks to us. Verse 11, And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street which is called Straight and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he prayeth. And he hath seen in a vision a man named Ananias, that's you, by the way, coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done by thy saints at Jerusalem. So let me rephrase that again. Ananias is like, you talking to me, Lord? Did you just talk to me? I mean, are you sure you're talking to me? To go see this guy named Saul. Because you know why Saul's coming to town, don't you? It was to get Ananias. Mm-hmm. He was at the top of the list. Okay? And, and so let's see what the Lord says. In verse 14, he says, and let me back up. And here, Paul, 
hath authority from the chief priests to bind all that call on his name. But the Lord said unto him, here's what I want you to see, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. Now I'm going to stop right there and I'm going to come back in a minute. So Paul's ministry was commissioned by God at the, even before or, or right during the time that he got saved. God had a plan for him. God has a plan for all of us when we get saved. Okay? Uh, when I first got saved and I was baptized, I think that next weekend, they gave me a little book, a little Bible. It was a book. A KJV hardback Bible. And, um, in the back of it, I have a, like a big H on it. And the H was not for Hall. It was, it was a football goal. And I put, I put, my goal is to tell the world about Jesus. That was what Paul's goal was. Okay. That's what all of our goals should be. Okay. And guess what? I knew that when I'm 10 years old, when I got saved, I put, wrote that in my Bible that I got. That wasn't something that came five years ago, ten years ago. No, the, when I got saved, I knew that God wanted me to tell the gospel. Of course, when we all get saved, we want to tell everybody. Problem is, we kind of dumb that down after all. Now, we should go more on, on steroids the farther we go. But Paul was commissioned by God. And then back in Colossians, it says he's a minister. That God made him a minister in verse 23. And just in fact, in case you missed it, I, Paul, made a minister at the end of that. Go down to verse 25. Where have I made a minister? Twice it says he was made, he was called to be a minister. That goes in your blank. He was commissioned by God. Uh, he was uh, called to be a minister. And then C says he was called to preach a new dispensation. Now that's different. Verse 25 says, at Colossians 1, Where have I made a minister according to the dispensation of God which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God? Now what was completely new about this new dispensation was it was for Jews and Gentiles. Okay, That was given to Paul. And then Paul gave that to the church. Okay, So... Um, I've got my, I'm going to put a, put a plug in for writing in your Bible again. In the front of my Bible, I have some pages that I have on one page, the seven dispensations. On the other page, seven judgments. On another one, seven mysteries. So I can always go back to them. So I'm just going to go right back to that and show you what a dispensation is. Or what his dispensation is. What? One of the mysteries is in here. Or, yeah. We're going to see the mystery. We're going to see a mystery coming up next, Rex. So, uh, dispensation. What dis- the dispensation of grace was given to Paul. Okay, uh, we can see that in First Corinthians four one and two. In fact, I'll have somebody read that for me. First Corinthians four one through two. Who's there? Yeah. Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Okay. So, 
um, didn't explain exactly what I wanted in there, but that's that was the responsibility that we were to preach the dispensation of grace. Paul was given that that responsibility. Uh, we see that that's when it was given to him, uh, as well as in Colossians here. Um, and then we see the failure of that's in Revelation 3.16, if you're taking notes. Um, it comes to a head at the rapture. So this period of grace starts at Christ's resurrection and ends at the second coming, technically. Probably ends at the rapture, but... Um, that's the dispensation of grace that we are saved by faith through grace. The Jew, Gentile, all in one body. That was given to Paul to give to the church. Okay, So Paul was called to preach a new dispensation. That was frontline news because the Jews at that time wouldn't walk across the street to help a Gentile. I mean, they thought they were like a third-rate citizen. Which I don't quite get that, but they did. Okay, So that was C. He was called to preach a new dispensation, and Paul also was called to preach a new mystery. What was that mystery? Let's look at it. Verse 26 of Colossians chapter 1 says, Even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest... To his saints. So a mystery is a truth not revealed until God's time. So he says this mystery had been hid since the, cre- since the beginning of time. And now it is coming out. And this new mystery is, is that Christ can indwell you. Okay? The Old Testament saints had no idea about this. Okay? It had to deal with the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. That was what Paul's trying to get out also in, in, to this, to this church of Colossians. So let's go to that. Let me see what I have on the mysteries. The mystery of the indwelling of the Spirit of God. And guess what my cross reference is? Colossians 1, 26 and 27. Right where we're at. And then we'll especially see it continue in chapter 2 of Colossians. It's basically the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and how we got saved. Okay? That is the mystery. And again, that was given to Paul. A new dispensation and a mystery. Okay? Which dwell, which both of them are crucial to the New Testament church. Okay? Was given to Paul to give to the church. And yet he's, he's declaring them in the book of Colossians. And then E, it says on your handout, he was called to fulfill the word of God. Okay? So that was Paul's ministry. But you know what? Here's what a lot of people don't realize. Paul also was called to suffer. Now nobody wants to hear that word. And yet Paul's suffering, where do you think his suffering was modeled after? Christ. Christ. There's something in suffering and going through suffering that either teaches us things, gives us insight to things, and in, in both of those things, God is pleased. Because it pleased the Father 
that his son Christ suffered. So he learned something through that. Christ had to experience sin or the, the payment, paying the payment of sin. Let me put it that way. He had to, he had to, uh, live through, um, what do I want to say here? Well, not only God's wrath, but the experience of being of being tempted. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. He had to go through the same experiences that man did, and yet he he came through it with flying colors. He came through it with no sin, where we all sin, and so he was tempted just like we are, and so he also suffered, and that suffering. You know, I, I don't look at it quite like that way. I don't think suffering is really good, do you? But apparently God thinks that suffering for the, for a righteous cause and going through it is a good thing. Okay? I obviously haven't learned exactly how that works. I really don't want to know. You know? <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to say, okay, God, I need to suffer this week so I can learn some more about this. Uh, well, not really on top of my list. But you can learn through suffering. If you don't learn from it, it's not a good thing. Right. Uh, the Bible talks about it. You know, we're going to suffer, but we better suffer for well doing instead of mm-hmm. not do not uh, bad doing. That's not quite proper English, but that's it. So Paul's suffering was modeled after Christ. So Colossians one twenty five says, "Whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God." Okay. Um, I think I lost my place. In fact, I'm in the wrong spot. But anyway, that's a good verse. So, it was modeled after Christ, verse 25, to fulfill the Word of God. Okay? So, bounce back to Acts chapter 9 again. We were there earlier with, with Paul, with Saul. And of course, all of you know that Paul used to be Saul until God changed his name. Acts chapter 9, and we ended in what verse? Verse 15. Okay. So, let me read 15 again. And he says, But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. Now, let me, t- let me just throw you this in. I just throw this in for free this morning. His main ministry was to who? The Gentiles. The Gentiles. Yeah. And almost every time he dealt with the Jews, he got it in the neck. You'd think he'd have learned that, wouldn't you? But you know what? He had a love for his brethren. Yeah. So even though he knew he would take it in the neck, a lot of times he did it. Mm-hmm. Especially he went back on that third missionary trip. You know, everybody's telling him, don't go, don't go, don't go. Because, you know, they, they're they going to bind you. They're going to put you in jail. And he goes, hey, I'm willing to die. Because yeah. I want them to get the message. So... Oh well. So he, it was modeled after Christ. Now look at verse 16. That's where I wanted to go. For I will show him, Paul, how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. So not only did God have a plan for, for Paul to be a minister to get the gospel out, to get, to get, to teach a new dispensation, to teach a new mystery, to, to teach the church the doctrine that they needed to know. He also had him intended for him to suffer along the way. And he did go through a lot of suffering. Yeah, he did. Okay. Um, so where where's the place that talks about, uh, I don't have this in my notes, that Paul goes through all those hardships? Uh, yeah, where is that at? Here's the list. Yeah, right. 
Where is that list? Okay, thank you for that. And, well, that's a little better. Um, I'm thinking Second Corinthians. Give me enough time and I'll find it. But Oh, well, but you know, I should just look at my notes because I have... Nobody found it yet? Yes, you're there. Second Corinthians eleven twenty four. Thank you. In this verse, other Jews five times received I forty stripes save one. You think that was suffering? Five times. Four. You know why they would stop under forty? Is it forty? Yes. Yeah, because anything over that, it was pretty well death sentence. Yeah. And so five times he had it right up to that. Okay. You got a Bible first for that? Okay. <laughs> okay. That might be, you may have read that. You know, there's a lot of things I read, but I gotta yeah. go back. And I'm like, okay, I'll table that. I may think about that. And maybe that's the case too. But, but, uh, here's what I do know. Five times he was whipped. Okay. Um, thrice. How many is thrice? Three. Three, right? Three times I was beaten with rods. That's suffering. Once was I stoned, and that's not the kind we're thinking. You know, these are real stones. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. <laughs> okay, three times he was in the in the shipwreck. A night and a day I've been in the deep. So the deep being this ocean or the sea. He's, yeah, so he's in a, a day and a night, right? In journeyings often, in perils of waters, in perils of waters. I got those mixed up. By my own, in perils by my own countrymen. Yeah. In perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often. There's that watchings again. My wife's gone. She's been kind of studying the watchings. Uh, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. My goodness. The guy suffered a lot, didn't he? Yes. And in, and in verse 28, where he blows me as, as, as a preacher, it says, besides those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of the churches. So not only is he being suffering all these attacks, he's trying to take care of all the churches and deal with all their problems. Uh, kind of interesting. I have a note in my Bible here, and I have a little, a little, I don't know if I really call it a star, but I kind of make a little paintbrush strike or something, and then I put a note to the side, and I go, Paul is my James Bond. He's shaken, but he's not stirred. Yeah. You know? Uh, <laughs> that's just me. But I'm like, they ought to make a movie. They made a movie about Paul, and I went and saw, and I was so disappointed. I'm like, I want to see the power that God did through him, you know, and all the things he went through, and he just kept going like a, what is it, ever ready, ever ready bunny, right? And just keeps going and going and going, and I'm like, you know, he went all the way to the end. But, uh, man, Paul was something else, but he suffered. And so the whole point of that, that suffering was continued on in the church. 
to us. Okay? Turn over to 1 Corinthians, and I'm almost done. 1 Corinthians, chapter 1, and we're going to read 1 through 7. sure I'm in the right spot. It says, Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sosthenes, our brother, unto the church of God which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Uh, uh, with that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord both theirs and ours grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Je- Jesus Christ I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God which is given you by Jesus Christ that in everything you are enriched by him in all utterance and in all knowledge even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you so that you, beca- you came behind in no gift waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ who shall also confirm you unto the end that you may be blameless in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I went a little farther than I wanted. And somehow that still doesn't make sense. Do you see any suffering in that? Not yet, right? Maybe I got the wrong Corinthians. Maybe I got to go to Second Corinthians. Well, that's the third one down. Yeah, I... Which continued on in the church should be 1 Corinthians 1 through 7. For some reason that isn't flying with me. That's alright. Last night about 11, it seemed right. Um, let me see if it's second. Okay, that's it. Um, second Corinthians, I'm sorry. So let me read through that. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and to Timothy our brother, and to the church of God, which is at Corinth, with all the saints which are, are in all Achaia, grace be to you, and peace from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of all mercies, and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, Paul and his team, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. And whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings, which we also suffer, or whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. And our hope of your steadfast, knowing that as ye are partakers of the sufferings, so shall you also of the consolation. So in this passage, Paul is telling the church, not only is my our team suffering here, you guys are going to be suffering too. It's a pattern that's going to be passed on from Christ down to us. And we're sitting there thinking, oh great. But yet God's thinking, no, that's good. Because you guys need to have some suffering. Okay? So, Paul's suffering was modeled after Christ. It goes in your blank. It was continued on with the church and was continued on to verse C. What do you think goes in that blank? Us. Unfortunately. And there are times when we as a church or as a Christian are going to suffer. 
And you know what? We just need to suck it up because God will use it. Okay? So let's go to 2 Timothy 3.10. 2 Timothy 3.10 and 11, or 10 through 12. He goes, But thou hast fully known, he's talking to Timothy, but thou hast fully known my doctrine, my manner of life, my purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, and what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. I'm going to throw that in there. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus might suffer persecution. Is that what your says? No, you're not going to might. You are. So we've learned that from Discipleship 1, right? If you live godly, you are going to suffer some persecution. Now, for most of us here, that persecution is pretty light. Go to India and try and see how that's working. Go to some of the other places around the world and see how it's working. But get, let me tell you this. If the rapture doesn't happen quick, we're going to see some major suffering here in this country. So just remember, what's the, what's God going to do with that suffering? He's going to teach us some things about it. But what I liked out of verse 11 was out of all the problems that Paul went through, the Lord delivered me out of them all. And the Lord will do that for us. So that's the end of Colossians chapter 1. And so we'll get in in chapter 2 and we're just going to expound on this a little bit more as we go through the rest of the book. So God wants us to be filled with this knowledge. He wants us to walk in that knowledge. And He wants us to be, when we stand before God at the judgment seat of Christ, to get a good account and have a good report. And you know what? That's what we need to strive for. We need a, We want to stand before God and let Him say, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what we need to strive for. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. Thank you for uh, uh, just what you reveal to us about yourself, about what's going on. You tell us everything that you're going to do ahead of time. And yet you've allowed us to be a part of your family through the death, burial, and resurrection of your son. Lord. So I pray that we would live that out. We would, number one, know it live it out, and then have a good report when we see Christ face to face. And that's what I pray for this class. In Christ's name, amen.